Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 102 of the Extraordinary Women podcast. I'm Sherry Harmel, your host for this podcast and the editor of the Extraordinary Women magazine. Thank you for tuning in to the Extraordinary Women podcast, the show that is part of the Extraordinary Women online destination where we share inspiration, tips, advice, and even some laughs specifically for women who are serious about stepping into their dreams. Our motto is no more procrastinating, let's just do it. Visit us at ExtraordinaryWomenMagazine.com to find show notes for each episode, as well as content that is sure to get you fired up and moving forward on making your dreams happen. From the Extraordinary Women Magazine, which comes out four times a year, all the way to the Extraordinary Women Notebook, which we call the EW Notebook, which is a weekly blog that is posted every Thursday. We are about supporting you and every other extraordinary woman to make dreams come true. Now, let's begin today's episode. Well, this episode is titled 10 Things I Learned When I Finally Became a Grown-Up. Now, you might be thinking that being a grown-up should come automatically as we go through the years, right? As we age. So anyone my age actually should be a grown-up, right? But I'm a case study for that not always being true. So let's get started. First, lesson learned. How to be a mom to adult children. I was an opinionated mom. No surprise there, right? I was a hands-on mom. I would swoop in if my kids needed something, anything, actually, and try to make it happen. As my son said, you don't suffer fools gladly. I had to figure out what he actually meant by that. But I was an intense doer. I ran the school fundraisers. I was a Girl Scout leader. I was the PTA president. I was a crazed tennis player. I could put on three parties over a two-day holiday. And actually, layering the tablecloths is the key to that being successful. But now, when everyone was little, that was okay. They actually loved it. But now my kids are adults and have partners. So I've had to learn to keep my opinions and my thoughts to myself. Just support them. And when they ask for help, Let them know that I'm there and that I always will love them. Oh gosh, sometimes it's really hard. I think a few of you can probably relate. What goes through your head, but you hopefully don't say it, is you bought a house where? You are contemplating homeschooling? Your son's long hair is so pretty? Your partner wants what? Camping with six kids is fun? Really? And you say everything with just a smile on your face. So being a mom to adult children requires me to stay calm, stay a little bit detached, have minimal expectations, but always, always, always let them know how much I love them. The loving part 
was easy. That was easy to learn. But keeping my mouth shut and my opinions to myself were hard. But I think I finally got it right. When I detach a little bit and recognize my kids have to make their own mistakes because that is how they will learn and grow, that is what life is all about, right? Plus, detaching a bit means that I've accepted that they are living their lives, not mine. So loving adult children is what is important. Number two, do what makes you happy. This gets back to those expectations and how to deal with adult children. We all have to find within ourselves what it is that will make the next few years happy ones for us. A few podcasts ago, I talked about how being the constant giver will end up making you feel resentful. Well, this also applies to having adult children and hoping that they have the time to do the things that you'd really enjoy doing with them. My two kids and their partners, honestly, are overwhelmed with commitments. It's the kids' sports, the tutors, the lessons, you name it. They don't have the time to think about me. It's not that they don't love me. They just don't have the time or the space. Because all of their available time and every day, and they only have 24 hours a day just like me, but all of their available time is spent with their careers, their children, their partners, basically their lives. Now, not that long ago when children played sports, and I'm sure most of you can remember this, even yourself as a kid, hardly anyone showed up. Now it's like this parent cheering squad and parents are consequently running from home to work or from work to home to drive the kids to practices and games. In the old days, hardly anyone practiced. Kids walked to any after-school activities they have. Well, not so today. The world is scarier for our kids today. And that means parents have to be much more involved than ever before. And that takes time. So if you have adult children, I want you to forget the fantasy of getting together all the time. You need to figure out what it is that you love to do and then plan it and do it. I live in Paris, as you all know, for two to three months at a time. And in the beginning, honestly, I felt guilty. Well, no more. When I moved to Minneapolis for those three years, and I moved there really for my kids, I have honestly never felt more lonely. Yes, COVID happened. But I realized that my kids and my grandkids were all on the go all the time. So back to Boston, I went And now I'm back to my full and happy life. I accepted that it's not my kid's job to fill my need for connection. It's not my kid's job to create all of the memorable experiences that I have in my life. So travel if you want to travel. Start a business if you've always wanted to do so. Write a book if that's on your bucket list. Take art classes Go to meetups, join the birder groups, learn photography, just do it. You'll be much happier than you will ever be waiting for an invitation from your kids. Number three, I'm the CEO of my own life and business. This one has taken me a good while 
Sure. I appear to be totally in control and confident. I, I'm, I'm trying to read your minds right now. But underneath that armor, I continually looked for the person or the program that had all the right answers, that could provide the results that I was really seeking. Yep, I'm a wimp. You might have thought I was strong and confident, but I'm a wimp. And it has taken me a while to really figure that out because I realized that this business and my life is on me. No one else in the world cares as much about me or knows me the way I do. And that's not a sad thing. That's an acceptance. I was reminded of this recently by one of the men in my new investment team. I made a switch, which was super hard. When I whined a little that I was nervous to tell my old team I was leaving them, his comment was something like, wait a minute, Sherry, you run a magazine. Are you really stressed about this? Well, (laughs) Now, men are wired differently than women. Thank heavens. What would the world be like if there were no men in it, right? But his comment woke me up. Yes, I'm running a business. I've started an amazing nonprofit that still exists today. I've coached high-level executives, consulted a billion-plus-dollar company CEO. If I don't have what it takes to feel confident in myself, What in the world is the sign that I'm waiting for? And more important, if I don't have confidence myself, how can I possibly expect anyone else to believe in me? So at my ripe old age, I finally put on my big girl pants and stepped into confidence. Number four, and it's somewhat related, and that is to be a leader and CEO of your life. That means you are leading people. Extraordinary Women is a business. It's a lot more complicated than my old coaching business because there are more pieces to this business and therefore more people involved. The Extraordinary Women magazine has a magazine designer, photographers, contributors, women to interview, themes to develop. And then when it's all completed, it needs to be marketed. This Extraordinary Women podcast has guest management, writing, editing, posting, and because I'm no good at technology, I have to have a podcast manager. All of those marketing applications, and I know all of you are out there nodding along with me right now, the Instagram, the Facebook, the Pinterest, the Issue, the Vimeo, etc., are all way too techie for this gal. So I have to hire people who are good at those things that I'm not good at. And people make things complicated. I had to learn how to step into being a leader, not a friend. If you're serious about your business, you have to manage people as a leader. You're in charge. And you're going to have to hire, fire, and set expectations. Your business is not a meetup group. This one took me a while. I wanted to be liked. I had this intense desire to be liked, like I was going to be this inspirational leader that everyone loved. I was afraid that if someone who worked for me didn't actually like me, they'd leave. And that presents the issue of rejection. It would feel like rejection, right? But... 
I had to learn that this is my business. I stand alone on this. And if it fails, everyone who works for me will go find something else to do, someplace else to work. I'll be the one who's holding the failure in my hands. And therefore, I had to embrace being a leader. Okay, women entrepreneurs, I want to let you know about a fabulous resource. The Extraordinary Women magazine is only $29.99 a year. And with that minimal investment, you'll receive four issues of the digital magazine, which are just chucked full of inspiring interviews, subscriber highlights, valuable tips, and ideas for you, the entrepreneur, regardless of the stage of your business. But this is a big but. This is more than just a magazine. During the year, you will have opportunities to connect with other like-minded women who are supporting each other and sharing ideas as they go along their business journey, as well as invitations to valuable workshops on topics that you need to plant or bloom or grow that business, as I call it. So go to TheExtraordinaryWomenMagazine.com and subscribe. Join this movement of women from all over the world who are creating and growing businesses. The next one is probably pretty obvious. We're at number five. A sugar coma doesn't feel good anymore. (laughs) When I was a young girl, I used to eat jello out of the boxes, obviously before the water was added. My favorite was cherry which was loaded with one of those toxic red dyes, (laughs) which maybe explains a lot about my personality. I used to love nothing more than hardly eating a meal because I had been sticking my finger in a bowl of raw jello while reading a very good book like an hour before dinner. I was never overweight as a young person. In fact, I didn't get fat truly until I was in my 50s. But I have always, always had a sugar addiction. As a kid, my primary motivation to work was to keep myself in magazines and candy. But in recent years, I decided that I had to conquer my sugar addiction. I was doing great. And then some health issues cropped up. They all turned out to be okay, not not a problem. But I panicked. I got scared. And I spiraled down into the mindset of, heck, if I'm not going to live very long, (laughs) why not eat exactly what I'm craving, which is sugar. Now, I don't eat the fancy French chocolates. I eat junk candy like jelly beans, Haribo berries, hot tamales, licorice, good and plenty. See, I know all the names. That should be your clue. After two weeks, I had eaten all the sugar I craved. And ladies, I puffed up like an overweight hedgehog and found myself feeling sluggish, exhausted, and cranky as that full onslaught, onslaught, I should say, of inflammation just took over. Now, put in whatever is your vice, whether it's alcohol, not exercising, maybe even fast food, what we could get away with 
putting into our bodies when we were young isn't sustainable as we age. You might have all figured this out long ago, but again, I'm a slow learner. Number six, stand tall. Posture is everything. Figuratively and literally, this is true. Bad posture makes us look old, inconsequential, and dare I say, invisible. No matter what, walk into spaces proud of the body and the person you are. Remember, you're a confident, competent woman. So ask yourself, how would a woman with that mindset walk into a room? Yes, sometimes we have to pretend a little bit, but honestly, if I tell myself, Sherry, feel confident, I do. I feel confident. Try it. I have found that when I fall into that poor, poor, pitiful me kind of self and walk into a restaurant thinking, oh gosh, I'm just a single older woman looking for a table for one with my shoulders slumped and the hostess actually will see all of that and will seat me at the table for one that is typically right outside the bathroom door. You all know what I mean. Just a few nights ago, I was in a restaurant very early, early dinner, and the hostess was, you know, smiled, but was taking me into a room on the side that had no one in it. There was not a window to be seen, so it was dark, and there was not one other person in there. It's sort of like the timeout room for solo diners, if you want to call it that. Well, I said, no, I absolutely need to be around people couldn't I have a booth by the window? Now this young girl looked at me, smiled and said, of course you can. But what was interesting is I asked for what I needed. I stood proud and strong and asked for what I needed. Number seven, this one will make you laugh. Nice teeth and good lipstick make all the difference. I'm on Zoom a lot. And I've learned that I can have zero makeup on as long as those Zoom filters are on. But with a little lipstick, I'm presentable. Out and about in the world, a good lipstick makes my face look more vibrant and, dare I say, more interesting. When I don't wear lipstick, I look like I just fell out of bed or I need to check into the hospital. Now look at Queen Elizabeth. The woman is 96 years old. And you will sometimes see her adding a little lippy, as she calls it. The queen has figured it out. Lipstick is obviously one of the things that she keeps in those gorgeous little purses of hers. As for our teeth, my bottoms were starting to crowd, so I got Invisaligns. Now, I can't talk with those things in my mouth without lisping. And at my age, I'm not willing to lisp for an entire year. So I only wear those Invisaligns at night. Yes, it takes twice as long, but who cares? Speaking of teeth, if you're questioning this, think of the queen mother. What was the other queen? The queen mother's teeth. If you check out any photos of her as she started to age, you will truly run to the orthodontist. Number eight, keep reading books. Joining book clubs is not only super communal. Truly, I'm in three different ones at the moment. But book clubs force us to read books that we wouldn't normally choose. And that keeps our minds open and curious about what else is out there. 
I've learned as I've gotten older that reading does keep my mind open to new things, to different cultures and interests that I would never be exposed to if I wasn't part of a book club group that stretched me a little. And there's something about books that actually doesn't happen when you read things online. I'm now exploring some of the classics and I recently read in a magazine, an interview with Pierre, I think his last name is Vesperin, if I'm saying that correctly. He's a French historian, and he wrote this super interesting book on the value of reading classics and how studying the past has value for all cultures and for humans as a whole. In this interview, he said that learning about things that came before us maximizes our ability to think and form opinions for ourselves. In the interview, Pierre actually implied that we've lost our critical intelligence and creativity because we are trying to erase the past based on trends of today. And he used this incredible example. I think this will absolutely make you think. He wrote that everyone mourned the burning of Notre Dame. And yet what people don't know or probably have never seen is that on the facade of the main door to the building, to the church, there's a relief of a woman who's blindfolded by a snake and there's a fallen crown at her feet. And this relief is actually depicting the submission and irrelevance of Judaism. Pretty terrible. So should we then wish Notre Dame had burned to the ground? Or do we try to learn from our past? Well, reading that article made me wish Pierre's book was translated into English because it got me thinking. And that is why reading is such a powerful ingredient to having a happy, big life. I'm proposing that maybe what is wrong with the world today is that there are not enough readers. Goodness, if Putin read anything about Alexander the Great or Napoleon, maybe he'd reconsider what he's doing in the Ukraine. Send that nut some books, people. Number nine, on a lighter note, learn to cook for one or two and pull out the good china. After my divorce, I sort of gave up cooking. I found it wasn't as much fun when I didn't get praise for a meal I made. For a good while, I pretty much ate what the French would consider junk. I just threw together things or I ate pre-prepared meals. One course, typically, and most of the time, I ate my dinner in front of the television or while reading a book. Now, you also know I'm a porcelain addict. I have at least three different china patterns in each of my apartments. After my divorce, that china sat in my cupboards, waiting for some day when, I don't know, my prince shows up at my door or I have a family dinner with my kids. But aren't I worth the good china? Honestly, none of our kids are going to want our china after we're gone. Most of my china was purchased at Brocan's that some other woman's children sold. So I'm pulling out the plates right now. And on top of that, I'm collecting cookbooks that are written for one to two servings. And I'm planning out at least two meals each week. 
that have an entree, which is the appetizer or starter in France, a main course, and a dessert. I'm going to treat myself and eat those beautiful meals off my fabulous china. Last, this is number 10, celebrate life. Get a bottle of champagne and toast that amazing woman who's looking back at you from your mirror. Who says you need a partner or a best friend in order to celebrate? As great as they are, what is most important is that you celebrate you because you should always be your greatest cheerleader. Have a great week, my friends. Abiento. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And if you liked this conversation, please press the like button, subscribe, and share this podcast with other extraordinary women like you who you think might enjoy this conversation and join our community of truly extraordinary women. Now, we might seem like a group of just average gals, but we are doing amazing, extraordinary things. That's the key to creating a magical and purpose-filled life. So I hope you join us. Take good care, and as I say in Paris, a bientôt.